We start with questions to the Deputy Prime Minister, Clive Betts. Mr. Speaker. Deputy Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I've been asked to respond on behalf of my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, who is currently attending the G20 Leaders Summit in Bali. And may I also say, Mr. Speaker, after the missile strike in Poland yesterday, that we reaffirm our solidarity with Poland, we express our condolences with the victims, and we're working with our allies to determine precisely what happened. And the Foreign Secretary will be making a statement shortly. I bet. Mr. Speaker, could I begin by associating myself with the comments of the Deputy Prime Minister? I'm sure the whole House will want to reaffirm our complete support for Ukraine and for Poland in the face of Russian aggression. When he had got the job in his first day, the Prime Minister promised, and I quote, integrity, professionalism, and accountability. I assume the Deputy Prime Minister agrees with that promise and would expect all ministers to follow such principles. Therefore, does the Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister also agree that, in line with this promise, the Prime Minister should ensure that no minister who has a complaint of bullying upheld, upheld against them should continue to serve in his government? Can I thank the Honourable Gentleman and thank him for his shared solidarity on the issue in Poland. He's right to quote what the Prime Minister said, uh, and I take it as an article of personal faith that we behave with absolute integrity and accountability. I am confident that I have behaved professionally throughout, but immediately I heard that two complaints had been made. I believe they were made yesterday. I was notified this morning. I immediately asked the Prime Minister to set up uh, an independent investigation, and of course, I will comply with it fully. constituents are celebrating with Guru Nanak Devji, who travelled the world with an important message about equality and sever, selfless service. It's something we see running through many of the actions carried out by Sikhs and others in my constituency of West Bromwich East through organisations like Midlands Langer Sever Society and Guru Har Rai Gurdwara. Would my right honourable friend join me in thanking the community for their ongoing sever and extend his best wishes for Gurparab? Deputy Prime Minister. I thank my um, honourable friend. At this important time of year for the Sikh uh, community and the Sikh faith, I join with her in what she said. Uh, they make an outstanding, the Sikh community make an outstanding contribution uh, in her constituency with the Midland Langa Seva Society and the Guru Har Rai Gurdwara uh, in her constituency. But they also make an amazing contribution uh, to the uh, whole country, and we're grateful for it. General Deputy Leader Angela Rayner. Mr Speaker, and can I share the Deputy Prime Minister's remarks regarding the Sikh community and, most importantly, about the incident in Poland last night? I know the whole House stands united in our support for the Ukrainian people and sends condolences for the tragic loss of life. And Britain has an unshakable commitment to NATO and our allies, including Poland. The Government has rightly requested we establish the facts and avoid unhelpful speculation, so I understand that the Deputy Prime Minister might not be able to go further today. But does he agree that last night's events aside, the fact that Russia is launching missile attacks on Ukrainian civilian infrastructure whilst world leaders meet shows the utter 
contempt that Putin has for international order. Yeah. Prime Minister. Can I thank uh, the Right Honourable Lady? I entirely agree with what she said. Uh, President Putin started this war, uh, and whatever uh, the determination made in relation to the events yesterday, they result, whether directly or indirectly, from the unlawful aggression perpetrated by the Russian government. And that's why the Prime Minister is out at the G20, uh, rallying support, making sure we wean ourselves of energy uh, dependence on Russia, making sure we uh, make sure we've got the energy supply from other parts of the world. And, and I agree with what she said 100%. Angela Ray. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker, and it's right that we condemn Putin in his strongest terms. But the G20 is also an opportunity to work together to tackle the economic challenges we all face. Yet as our international allies race to crack down on multinationals using tax havens to stash profits abroad, this government is dragging its feet to protect their profits. We have a budget tomorrow, Mr Speaker, where it's briefed that tough choices will be impacting on families across Britain. Does he accept that every pound hidden in tax havens is a pound loss from the pockets of working families? Well, can I thank the Honourable Lady? I mean, I, look, we want people to come to this country to create the jobs uh, and to generate the tax revenue. Uh, whether it's non-DOM status, which was stricter under this government given the changes we made than under the last Labour government. Uh, whether it's the Prime Minister's approach to big tech companies, uh, where he's led the charge uh, with the G presidency in making sure there's an international approach uh, and delivering uh, global minimum corporate tax rules. We have lowered the tax gap, the difference between the tax owed and the tax uh, raised, to uh, the lowest level, certainly lower than under the last Labour government, and will continue to do so. I notice non-DOM status hasn't been abolished, though, Mr Speaker, and the Conservatives, the Conservatives would have us all believe that the economic problems are out of their hands, when the truth is, Mr Speaker, it's working people paying the price for their choices. They've chosen to protect corporate profits and not household incomes. There are 38 countries in the OECD two-year growth league table. Where does the UK rank in that table? Thank her. She'll know that on the latest data, unemployment remains at a 50-year low. Well, she's saying the, the, the Shadows Chancellor is saying it's gone up. It's half the level left by the last Labour government. And when it comes to GDP, and what? And when it comes to GDP, she'll know that the IMF has said that we will have the strongest growth in the G7. Mr Speaker, I think the economic situation families face speaks for itself. But I'll answer the question for the Deputy Prime Minister. The answer is 38 out of 38 on growth. If there was a World Cup for growth, we wouldn't even qualify. Working people are paying the price for 12 years of Tory failure. The wrong choices by the wrong people. Now, after days of dodging and denial, this morning, the Deputy Prime Minister finally acknowledged formal complaints about his misconduct, but his letter contains no hint of admission or apology. This is anti-bullying. This, this is anti-bullying week. Will he apologise? Deputy Prime Minister. Can I thank the Right Honourable Lady? Look, in terms of the economic challenges which are global, caused by COVID and the war in Ukraine, 
We have got a plan to grip inflation, balance the books and drive economic growth. If we listen to the Honourable Lady, debt would go up, unemployment would go up and working Britons would pay the price. She asked, she asked, she asked about uh, the complaints. I received notification this morning. I immediately asked the Prime Minister to set up an independent uh, inquiry into them. I am confident I behave professionally throughout, but of course I will engage thoroughly and look forward, Mr Speaker, may I say, look forward to transparently addressing any claims that have been made. So, Mr Speaker, let me get this straight. He has had to demand an investigation into himself because the Prime Minister is too weak to get a grip. A Prime Minister in office less than a month with a disgraced Cabinet Minister resigned with his good wishes, the Home Secretary who breached the Ministerial Code and risked national security still clings on, and now the Prime Minister defends his deputy whose behaviour has been described as abrasive, controlling and demeaning. With junior staff, Mr Speaker, too scared to even enter his office. And that's without mentioning the flying tomatoes. The Deputy Prime Minister knows his behaviour is unacceptable. So what's he still doing here? Deputy Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I'm here and happy to address any specific point she wishes to make. Uh, that never happened, uh, she says, from a sedentary position, and I uh, will thoroughly rebut and refute any of the claims that have been made. She hasn't, in fact, she hasn't, in fact, put a specific point to me. If she wishes to do so, and this is her opportunity, I'd be very glad to address it. Angela Rayner. Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Angela Rayner. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Maybe he just doesn't think there's a problem, or maybe he's suggesting that civil servants are liars. Now he's reportedly banned from meeting junior staff without supervision. While we await an inquiry the Prime Minister hasn't even instigated from a watchdog he hasn't even appointed. In the Prime Minister's letter, he did not say how and when this will be investigated or by who. No ethics. No integrity and no mandate, and still no ethics adviser. So when will they appoint an independent ethics adviser and drain the swamp? Mr Speaker, the recruitment of the new ethics adviser is already underway and taking, and taking place at pace. But may I say, Mr Speaker, there is a reason that she's come to the dispatch box with her usual mix of bluster and mudslinging is because they don't have a plan. Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker, we're helping people into work. She's in hock to the unions. We're protecting our borders. She voted against every single measure to control illegal immigration for this country. We're delivering cleaner growth and energy security. She wants to send billions in reparation payments abroad. The British people want a government that can deal with the real challenges, and they're not up to it. Lucy Allen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Hope House Children's Hospice provides dedicated end-of-life care to children from Telford and across Shropshire. This Sunday, Hope House is holding an online fundraiser Called the Big Night In, and they aim to beat last year's target of half a million pounds. Among the fabulous prizes 
are premium tickets to the Telford Steam Railway Polar Express. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the winners will enjoy a Christmas adventure to the North Pole, complete with hot chocolate, cookies, golden tickets, and the first gift of Christmas from Santa, which is the reindeer silver bell. Please, will the Deputy Prime Minister log on to Hope House Children's Hospice Big Night Inn this Sunday? And if he's lucky enough to win a pair of tickets to the Telford Polar Express, I should be delighted to go to the North Pole with him. Can I thank you to go there? Be careful. Can I thank my honourable friend and congratulate her and Hope House Children's Hospice for the amazing work they do. Um, I've been working very closely with Shooting Star Child Hospices, uh, which is a similar organisation in my constituency. If she uh, ever gets bored of the trains, I jumped out of an aeroplane at 15,000 feet to raise money for Shooting Star. She'd, uh, she'd find it a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Deputy Leader of the SNP, Kirsten Oswell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I associate myself and my colleagues with the remarks made about the immense contribution of our Sikh communities? Yeah. Mr Speaker, the SNP extend our full support and condolences this morning to Poland following the death of two yeah, civilians yeah. last night. And while a full investigation is ongoing, we reiterate our calls for Russia to end its brutal war of aggression yeah, yeah, against yeah, yeah. Ukraine. Mr Speaker, yesterday the Prime Minister was asked six different times to apologise for the disaster of the Tory mini-budget yep. and the financial crisis it yep. caused. And all six times he refused to say sorry. And now this morning people are waking up to the news that this Christmas they will be hit with the worst inflation in 41 years. So will the Deputy Prime Minister stand up today and do what his boss wouldn't? Will he say sorry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister. Can I thank the Honourable Lady for what she said both about Poland but also about the importance of uh, our solidarity with the international community uh, against the appalling uh, illegal invasion uh, uh, by Russia of Ukraine. Look, in terms of inflation, uh, clearly that is a problem. I think uh, as Chancellor and now as Prime Minister, and for months uh, it has been this Prime Minister who has been uh, making clear that it is the number one economic challenge we face. We've got a plan to grip inflation, to balance the books, to drive economic growth, and the, my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, will be making a statement uh, tomorrow, the autumn statement, which will set out our plan to take the Scottish people uh, and everyone across the United Kingdom through these challenges. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr Speaker, if they can't even say sorry for the mess that they've made, what hope do we have of them fixing it? Because let's be clear, tomorrow's budget is imposing austerity 2.0 on all of our constituents. That is the political choice that the Tories are making. But there are always different and better choices. Only this week, the Scottish child's payment rose to £25 a week. That's a 150% increase in eight months, and it will help 400,000 children. So if the Tories won't say sorry for the mess that they have made, will they at least make the right choice for once? Will his government join the fight against child poverty tomorrow, follow the lead of the Scottish government and match 
the Scottish Child Payment. Deputy Prime Minister. The Honourable Lady will know that we are facing challenges that are faced all around uh, the world because of COVID, because of the war in Ukraine. Uh, we've seen rising inflation in Germany, in the Eurozone, in the US. Um, but the reality is, this Prime Minister and this Chancellor have a plan. We're going to have more detail set out in the autumn statement. But of course, the UK Government will continue to work with the Scottish Government uh, collaboratively to safeguard and protect the most, vulnerability, the, most, the most vulnerable right across the United Kingdom. And I think that's what the Scottish people expect. Belford Mills in my Mid Derbyshire constituency are in a state of disrepair. The community is hugely worried about their future. It matters not just for my constituents but for the whole country because the mills are part of the UNESCO World Heritage Site in the UK. If appropriate redevelopment is not agreed soon, the site risks losing its World Heritage Site status. <coughs> will my right honourable friend confirm that the government will pay close attention to this case in order to ensure that we do not lose our World Heritage status? And will he come with me to visit the mill? and discuss potential solutions with local people. Prime Minister. Can I thank my honourable friend for her campaigning on this? And yes, of course, we will continue to uh, monitor uh, the, the, the condition of Belper Mills and the planning applications. I think the best I can say is we strongly encourage all the local bodies, whether it's the council, the applicant, to continue to work together because, above all, her constituents will want to continue to uh, celebrate the proud and rich uh, tradition uh, represented by uh, Belper. Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. The Prime Minister will join me in welcoming the comments yesterday by the Foreign Secretary to the European Scrutiny Committee that securing Northern Ireland's place within the Union will be the priority of the Government in the negotiations with the European Union on the Northern Ireland Protocol. One of the benefits of that union is the support that the Government of the United Kingdom is providing to households and businesses across the entire country to tackle the cost of living crisis. Will the Deputy Prime Minister assure me that the £400 energy support payment that is due to be made to households in Northern Ireland uh, will be announced as soon as possible? Deputy Prime Minister. Yeah, I thank uh, uh, the Honourable Gentleman. Uh, absolutely what he said about uh, securing Northern Ireland within the constitutional economic integrity of the UK is absolutely vital. Uh, the Prime Minister has been very clear upon that, as well as the Foreign Secretary. Uh, and of course, the Chancellor will be saying more uh, on the economic measures and the particular fiscal measures. He, made, uh, he, he referred to tomorrow. Sir Edward Lee. Even if an illegal migrant is stopped on a French beach, as no one is ever arrested, he will simply come back the next day. Will the Deputy Prime Minister ensure that we remove all port factors for illegal migration by using his new Bill of Rights to ensure that we have the legal power to arrest and deport and detain illegal migrants? and, for instance, have a review about a national identity card so that people just don't vanish and they never, ever get deported. Can I thank my honourable friend? I totally agree with him that we need to strain every sinew to, to stop this appalling trade in misery. There's no silver bullet. I think the, uh, the agreement that the Home Secretary made with her French opposite number will help. Uh, we're embedding UK officials with their French counterparts for the first time. Uh, he's right that the Bill of Rights can help as well, uh, not least in preventing interim orders from the Strasbourg Court from being recognised in the UK courts. 
Uh, on ID cards, uh, we already have e-visas for people coming to visit and live in the UK, and they act as digital evidence of someone else's uh, immigration status. The one thing that's clear, though, and I say to my honourable friend, we'll have to do all of these things in the teeth of the opposition from the front bench opposite. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Our small rural schools in Wyre face particular difficulties. The head teacher at Scorton and Caldervale Primary Schools told me that budgets in schools like ours are stretched, as we have to pay for a lot of additional services that larger urban schools provide in-house. She has to hire the village hall for PE lessons because the schools have no hall. She has to hire taxes to bring in the school meals because the schools have got no kitchens. So given the school budget cuts, what would the Deputy Prime Minister advise my head teacher cuts from our local children? Can I say to the Honourable Lady, we are very sympathetic to the challenges that all of our schools face. More will be said about the specific measures tomorrow, but she should stand uh, assured that we are the top spenders as a percentage of GDP in the G7 on primary and secondary education, and standards, which matter to pupils and parents most, have increased with schools rated good or outstanding up from 68% in 2010 to 87% today. Devin Foster. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. The Deputy Prime Minister will be aware of the opportunities but also the challenges facing Torbay's uh, tourism and hospitality sector, including increased energy costs and the impact of business rates. Uh, what consideration is he giving to the situation of Torbay's iconic industry and further measures to support it? Can I thank uh, uh, my friend? He's a fantastic uh, champion for Torbay. Now, of course, the Chancellor will make uh, a statement uh, tomorrow. Um, I can't speculate on the spending decisions, but he will have already noticed the tourism recovery plan, which will help uh, recovering from the pandemic, but also as part of the wider levelling up agenda. Private rents in my constituency are completely out of control, and since the government broke the economy and broke the mortgage market, the hope of owning a home is quickly receding, with the cost of living skyrocketing, Tory tax rises through the roof, and an extra one million people in the private rented sector since 2010. Will the government get a grip and tackle housing in my constituency and across the country? Can I thank the Honourable Lady? As a former Housing Minister, I know how important these issues are, and I, and I can also and I can also tell uh, the Honourable Lady that the Housing Secretary is looking at the situation of renters and landlords very carefully, uh, and legislation uh, is coming forward to shortly. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My constituent, Mikey Akers, who has verbal dyspraxia, said the following a few weeks ago. I'm not ashamed of my disability, but I am ashamed of the people who judge me without knowledge or understanding. Five percent of all children are impacted by speech and communication needs, according to the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists and the Dyspraxia Foundation, and more needs to be done to raise awareness in society. Will my right honourable friend agree to convene a meeting with the Prime Minister to raise awareness about verbal dyspraxia so inspirational people like Mikey are never again left without a voice? Can I thank my honourable friend for his doughty uh, championing and highlighting of Mikey's campaigning? Uh, all children and young people should, need, should receive the support they need to make the very best of all their talents and potential. Uh, we published, he will know, a green paper in March uh, covering a whole range of these issues, and I will certainly make sure he gets a meeting with the relevant minister. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, can the Deputy Prime Minister tell this House if he has ever entered into a non disclosure agreement connected to a complaint against him? No. 
he's referring to uh, an employment dispute that was settled uh, in before I entered the House. Uh, it wasn't an NDA, but it did involve a confidentiality clause, which was standard at the time. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And all our constituents want to see an end to the dangerous and illegal crossings of the Channel. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that services are delivered in the first safe place that refugees flee to. And in that context, the Deputy Prime Minister, as a former Foreign Secretary and Development Minister, would he commit to backing the work of Education Cannot Wait, which delivers education in those refugee camps? Prime Minister. Well, can I thank uh, uh, my honourable friend? She's absolutely right about the brilliant work they do. Uh, she will know how important the campaign for girls' education uh, was both uh, uh, the last Prime Minister but also this Prime Minister, and we will certainly look at what more we can do to support the brilliant work, uh, particularly uh, for children growing up in camps like that. Dr. Rupert. Thank you, Mr. Oh, Speaker. Does the Deputy PM's comeback, which I congratulate him on, and the new direction of tomorrow signal that the ban on no fault evictions from the last uh, manifesto is all back on after zilch from the last PM? And if so, can he, by emergency powers if necessary, get it on the statute book so no family, on a whim, gets left out in the cold this winter? Uh, I know my right honourable friend, the Housing Secretary, is looking at all of these matters. He would have heard uh, what she said, and uh, uh, I won't prejudice what, what further measures he's going to come forward with, but I will ask him to write uh, to you to address the specific uh, proposals you're making. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. Mr Speaker, I wonder if my right honourable and learned friend has noticed that the people who are currently criticising him, no thank you, who are currently criticising him, have a record of bullying second to none. A Labour, a Labour Member of Parliament left Parliament because of anti-Semitic bullying. Yeah. A distinguished BBC journalist needed bodyguards at Labour Party conferences. And a current member of the Labour Party opposite, a right honourable member, was suspended from the service of this House for bullying. Does he think, as I do, that this is at the very least hypercritical and maybe a stronger word that is not necessarily parliamentary? <laughs> My right honourable friend uh, makes his point in his usual inimitable way. Uh, all I will say is I think it's important that we all take responsibility for our actions, and that's precisely what I've done today. Rebecca Long Bailey. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. A 1958 instruction from Whitehall ordered medics to take blood samples regularly from exposed veterans during nuclear weapons tests. However, I've been made aware that many veterans and their families have reported being unable to obtain these test results and so denied the ability to make any sense of what they, and in some cases, their families suffered. So can the Secretary investigate and inform me of the legal rights of these men in obtaining their medical records? And will he undertake to ask the Prime Minister to order these medical files be opened to veterans and the UK Health Security Agency immediately? Deputy yeah. Prime Minister. Can I thank the Honourable Lady. Um, she, she's been a, a, a consistent champion on this issue, and I recognise and pay tribute to her for that. My understanding is that the information uh, is available to veterans and their families who may request details of their service and medical records, but if she would like to write to me, I will make sure uh, on the more specific points she made she gets an adequate answer. Yes. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise not to perpetuate partisanship nor parrot party lines, but merely to amplify the sentiments of the right of the honourable, right honourable, honourable, oh, honourable lady uh, for Salford and Eccles. Uh, the uh, brave servicemen who did so much so long ago to ensure our safety, the nuclear test veterans, were recognised by former Prime Minister David Cameron and in a meeting with the Honourable Lady and I by the former Prime Minister, the member for Uxbridge. Will this Deputy Prime Minister and our new Prime Minister recognise them too, not only by doing what the Honourable Lady has asked for, but by giving them the service medal they so richly deserve and we owe them? Well, uh, my right honourable friend is absolutely right, and we should forever be grateful uh, to all those service pers personnel who participated in the British nuclear testing programme. I, I can tell him and I can reassure him uh, we have asked officials to look again at recognition with medals, and any recommendations will be announced in the usual way. Judith Cummins. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Seven years ago, in my first PMQs, a Conservative Prime Minister told me to stop griping and get behind his rail investment plans. A few weeks ago, the new Business Secretary said there really wasn't much point in going ahead with Northern Powerhouse Rail. Time and time again, Mr Speaker, Tory Prime Ministers have promised NPR only to break their promises. So will the Deputy Prime Minister now put on record whether he supports Transport for the North's preferred option for NPR with the stop in Bradford. Yeah. I can tell the Honourable Lady that our £96 billion integrated rail plan will make the Northern Powerhouse Rail a reality. We're committed, we're, we're committed to the project. The precise details will be set out in due course. Peter Bell. If, if migrants who crossed the Channel from France illegally were immediately returned to France. It would stop illegal migration in this country. It would break the economic model of the people smugglers. And perhaps more importantly, it would stop thousands and thousands of people descending to northern French cities, which would be to the benefit of the French. So, Mr Speaker, when the Prime Minister spoke to the French President, was a returns policy discussed? And if so, what was the Prime Minister, what was the President's response? Uh, can I thank my honourable friend? He's absolutely right to raise this issue. I can't tell him the precise readout from the meeting. I haven't seen it yet. What I can tell him is, of course, the Home Secretary's deal uh, and agreement with uh, her French opposite number means a 40% increase in officers patrolling beaches in northern France. For the first time, Ever, UK officers will be embedded with their French counterparts. There will be investment in port security infrastructure, more technology and more wider European cooperation. Uh, we have taken all of these measures uh, and uh, all in the teeth of the opposition of the front bench opposite. They have opposed every single measure that we have taken to stop illegal immigration, including things where you would think there was cross-party consensus, like life sentences for those traffickers that prey on human misery. Mr Speaker, it's not trade unions who have burned public services to the ground, it's the Tories. It's not asylum seekers fleeing war and famine who are inflaming tensions, it's the Tories. And it's not those in low-paid jobs who are trashing the economy. Again, it's the Tories. So can the 
Deputy Prime Minister inform the House when this Tory government will finally accept responsibility for their economic, social and political mismanagement rather than blaming everyone else? Well, Mr Speaker, it's not a matter of blaming anyone. It's a matter of the team effort, the shared endeavour, working with the Scottish Government uh, to make sure we get a grip on inflation, the number one priority. And it's got to be said, uh, if, you, uh, if she takes, the Honourable Lady takes the position that we agree with inflation-busting pay rises, uh, as difficult as these decisions are, we will only see inflation stay and prolong for longer. That will hurt the most vulnerable in our, in our communities, whether it's in Scotland or across the rest of the UK. We have a, a brilliant Home Secretary, but the Deputy Prime Minister will be aware of a wicked, ambitious bullying campaign led by the opposition to get us sacked over the past four weeks or so. So, can the Deputy Prime Minister please reassure me and the people of Ashfield that the Home Secretary will be given all the tools that she needs to solve the migrant crisis and keep the bully boys out of number 10? My honourable friend is absolutely right. We fully support the Home Secretary and the important measures she's taking, uh, whether it's uh, uh, the um, Rwanda scheme, whether it's implementing the Nationality and Borders uh, Act, uh, and, and whether it's the New Deal with France to make sure that we collaborate with our international partners on what is a shared issue. And the one thing that he can also rest assured is it will be opposed tooth and nail by the Labour Party opposite. Charles Bourne. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In 1936, people from my constituency in Jarrow marched to Parliament demanding jobs. They were living in poverty and were hungry. 86 years later, and 39% of kids in Jarrow are still hungry. So will the Deputy Prime Minister and his government end this scandal and commit to providing free school meals to all 800,000 children, 40,000 of them in the North East, to households in receipt of universal credit? Deputy Prime Minister. Can I thank the Honourable Lady? She'll know that we've extended the eligibility of free school meals to 1.9 million pupils. There's also, on top of that, the £200 million holiday activities and food programme, uh, and then £1,200 of direct payments to the most vulnerable. But I would just gently say to her, we also need to keep an eye on the macroeconomic picture. The number one priority is to get inflation down, and we won't be able to do that if we follow the plans of the benches opposite. Esther Beckbeck. Mr Speaker, given that we have the highest burden of taxation in living memory, it is clear that the government's financial difficulties are caused by overspending and not due to undertaxing. Does the Deputy Prime Minister therefore agree, if the government has got enough money to proceed with HS2 at any cost, then it has sufficient money not to increase taxes? If, however, it has so little money it has to increase taxes, which is a last thing for a Conservative government to do, then it doesn't have sufficient money for HS2. So can I gently urge the Deputy Prime Minister not to ask Conservative MPs to support any tax rises unless and until this unnecessary vanity project is scrapped? Because I, for one, won't support them. Come on. Can I, can I thank my right honourable friend? I, I, 
I think I followed the various steps of logic in that question. Um, I, I understand her opposition uh, to HS2. I think we've got some very difficult decisions to make. They will inevitably involve a balanced approach. Uh, I will leave it to the Chancellor to set them out in the autumn statement tomorrow. David. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. In my Castelli constituency, we have five food banks. One of those food banks is run by the Betrussell Trust, and they have issued over 2,000 food parcels during the last six months. And there is a question from the users of that food bank. It is, will the government give a firm commitment to ensuring that benefits will always be enough to purchase essentials? Yeah. Look, uh, he raises a really important point, and uh, we're doing everything we can to support those uh, who may be reliant on food banks or otherwise uh, struggling to make ends meet. He can see that, my honourable, uh, the honourable friend can see that, with the £1,200 cost of living support that are going to the 8 million most vulnerable households, with the energy price guarantee, uh, and further measures for pensioners. My right honourable friend, the Chancellor, will set out further measures tomorrow. Uh, but of course, as I said before, the number one priority is getting inflation down. We won't be able to do that if we follow the spending plans of the party opposite. Final question, Simon. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My right honourable friend is also the Justice Secretary, and everybody in this House, irrespective of party, will know for the reputation of this House that standards are important. He has said that from the dispatch box this afternoon. Am I naive, however, in response to some of the points raised by members opposite, am I naive to still believe in that good British tradition? That one is innocent until proven guilty. Well, he, he makes an important point, uh, and of course, and I've said I will cooperate fully with the independent investigation. In fact, I welcome the opportunity to address these uh, complaints. I, I think, though, it is important that we have zero tolerance for any bullying and we hold the highest standards in public life, and it's important on all of us to adhere to those standards. Right, that completes Prime Minister's questions.